Welcome to the CAA Conversation Podcast. I'm Dr. Astrid Kamerling, and I have produced a limited-run podcast series for the College Art Association about artist professional development. For each episode, I gave two colleagues an opportunity to discuss their particular pedagogic approach towards teaching professional development practices to young and emerging artists. Today, I'm talking with Annie Laurie Erickson, Associate Professor of Photography, who currently serves as Photography Area Head and Co-Director of Studio Art Graduate Studies at the New Comp Art Department at Tulane University in New Orleans, Louisiana, where she teaches photography and professional practices for artists, as well as with Danielle C. Wyckoff, Assistant Professor of Drawing and Interim Chair of Drawing at Kendall College of Art and Design of Ferris State University in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where she teaches drawing, printmaking, and professional practices for artists. In the following half hour, both professors will engage in a conversation about their professional development courses and their professional development teaching strategies. Towards the end of the conversation, we will merge into how what both teach translates into their own professional approaches as working artists. Welcome, Danielle. Welcome, Annie Laurie. Thank you for taking the time to talk to the CAA community and being willing to share your teaching experiences. Could each of you take the time and share what you each teach in your professional development course? And maybe I'll hand over to Annie Laurie first. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much for facilitating this conversation. So when I first started teaching professionalism, it was a pretty daunting task because most of the classes that I teach in relation to professionalism are interdisciplinary and at the graduate level. So I incorporate professionalism into my photography class, but when it's a whole dedicated course, it's with the MFA students for me. And so we have a wide range of areas across all sorts of different types of production and many different ages. And so what do you do with this very mixed group? Um, and you know, and so if I had to summarize it into one like concrete phrase, it would be teaching individuals how to create a sustainable artistic life for themselves, right? So trying to get at this idea of sustainability. And I think one of the things you have to do off the bat is acknowledge that there is, it is impossible for there to be a singular model of that, right? <laughs> and so you start the class by just saying that this is going to look different for each of you. That said, can we find a common skill set and put a structure on some things that we should all be doing and that tend to apply to most all of us. So it's also, it's really important to me when I teach professionalism to bring in a wide range of voices. And so I, I'm almost in this class and more so than a lot of others, I consider myself in large part a facilitator more than like a pedagogical teacher where I'm just like saying, this is how everything is. So I do a lot of work in advance of the semester, setting up and organizing a schedule where we do a lot of visits. So we take a lot of field trips to outside studios off campus. I bring in curators, we go to galleries, we talk to collectors. I brought in a tax person the last time I, I, I taught it. And so just getting like a lot of different perspectives on on how to build these kind of like business skills and, you know, create a sustainable career. And 
it, you know, I think the other thing you have to acknowledge off the bat is that for most of us, the same thing that drew us into the arts is the same thing that makes us feel like we're really bad at like business kind of protocol stuff, right? Like we might not think in a linear way, we're making art about things because we don't want to talk about them um, or write about them. And so you also kind of have to acknowledge that up front and then say, okay, but how can we learn to enjoy this skill set that we need if we're going to survive? So, you know, in terms of like specifics of what I generally offer in terms of concrete structures and assignments. I have them do applications that they give to me and I review. But before they even do that, I have them make spreadsheets for themselves and they're different for everybody else of opportunities that they think might apply to them. So we look at different search engines and talk about, you know, just making sure that people are really looking at what someone's asking for before they apply to it and then make their own individual list of like, these are things that I think would help me on my path with deadlines um, and all the information in a spreadsheet that they should constantly be looking at. And then from that spreadsheet, I have them apply. And I've generally done it where I, I make them do two full applications to two different categories. One that's like a residency or an open call or, you know, grant, but not the grants, the other category, but one that like is more, doesn't have a budgetary situation and then one that's a grant. So there's kind of an everything else and then a grant to make sure everyone does one with a monetary component. So they have that practice of making a budget and justifying why they need funds. And then the other one can be, you know, open calls, residencies, that type of thing. So I have them do applications. We, we look, we look at, I think looking at contracts is something concrete that can be really helpful. When we talk to galleries, we have them look at contacts. I have them do like elevator pitches. We do studio visits with each of them, but specifically at the beginning of the semester, we did a studio visit where we didn't critique the artwork, but we critiqued the way the person was talking about the artwork. So we gave them feedback about how like, you know, how they are in their studio, their studio etiquette basically. And because a lot of times I think the, the way we present our own work, we're a little bit too close to it, right? To, to be able to sell it for lack of a better word, most successfully. And then just a lot about just like organizational strategies, I think is really important. So building in these practices of keeping things organized, of archiving your materials from prior applications. So it'll be that much easier when you go to the next application. Um, we looked at, you know, we look at websites and talk about websites. I mentioned this earlier, but we had a great meeting with a tax person where they got to ask all their tax questions. And uh, we look at, we talk about CVs and resumes. I have them do versions of their bios, like a short one and a long one. So they just kind of have that on hand. And then we of course talk about lecturing as well. Something that I started uh, right when I first started at Tulane is that the students had not been giving public lectures. And so I built in an MFA lecture series that happens every fall now, where within the, even if it doesn't feel safe to them, you know, within the environment of their degree, they have this chance to practice and give feedback on a public artist lecture, which as I think most all of us know, like can be really nerve wracking when you've never done that before. But I'm, I'm a like, I'm really a believer in doing it in school first so that it won't be quite as painful when you have to do it outside of school, either as an artist or for a teaching position. 
And yeah, and at Tulane, we have a separate pedagogy course. So in our professionalism course, we focus more on the strategies for the artist part of our jobs mm-hmm. and less on the strategies for teaching. Although, as we know, yeah. you know, Danielle and I both, like part of our professionalism strategy has been to be teachers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank so you. I, I think yeah. I'll stop there. Yeah. This is wonderful for a starter. And let's move a little bit um, into Danielle's uh, syllabi and courses. Yes, I, I'm sure that y'all saw me nodding emphatically at a lot of the stuff you were talking about. I um, Most of my students in my professional practices classes are BFA students. So we spend a lot of time with those very basic building blocks of, of how to get out into the world. Uh, but I, I also really begin with trying to diminish the idea that they're going to be a starving artist. There's that that long spread idea that if you're an artist, you're not going to have a salary, you're not going to make any money, you're going to live at your parents forever. And so we spend some time talking about what their fears are, um, why they have those fears, and if those actually match who they are as people. So a lot of times there's this idea that artists are bad at math. And then I'm like, and I start asking them questions and then they realize, like, well, no, actually, I'm, I can do this. I'm not bad at it. So we begin on the first day kind of going over why there's myths about artists and how they can overcome that and, and ignore them. And then we go into developing goals. What is it do they want in their lives? Do they want to be working artists? Do they want to be educators? Do they want to do something else and do art on the side? I'm very open with my students about how they're never going to open a newspaper. Well, they're probably never going to open a newspaper at all. But (laughs) (laughs) want ads that say artists wanted to do their own work. Um, So I talk about how at the beginning, it's a lot about kind of cobbling together a life. You know, what are their what are their strengths? How can they make a living with that to then support developing their arts career outside of school? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we begin with these sort of inspirational sorts of elements, and then we go into those really concrete things like this is what an artist resume is. This is what a curriculum vita is. These are the differences. An artist resume is actually quite different than a typical job resume. These are the differences. We work on business cards. All of my students have to you know, develop their business cards. We do cover letters, bios, all of those major documents that are a part of applying to anything. And we do a lot of series, we do a series of peer reviews because I find that students often make the same mistakes when they're just beginning. So if we can have it in an open forum where we're looking at a copy of each student's first CV, for instance, we can start to talk about those as a group and it gets less scary. My students have to do a lot of the things that your students were doing. They have to do an artist lecture. They have to put together applications to at least two exhibitions and then either a grad school application or a fellowship or a grant. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was taking some notes while you were right when you were talking, Annie Laurie, about being the facilitator. And that is absolutely what the class is as well. Um, 
I'm trying to bring in visiting artists. I'm trying to bring in visiting curators. I take them to local museums so that we can see what the shows are. I try to get them to talk to uh, the people who put them together. We talk to preparators. We talk to mm-hmm. anybody who has any sort of job in the arts who is willing to talk to my class at that time. So I find that at the beginning of the semester, I'm often emailing, calling, running around, saying, oh, you have that artist coming in? Can we do a contract so that my students can come hear that artist while that artist is installing? And I also require them to do volunteer hours where if that artist is installing, they can volunteer for a couple of hours to help that artist install. So they get that sort of real-world practice um, producing something in an art space. And then um, the other component of the class is that they have to do a class exhibition. Mm-hmm. So I will often help them find a place either in the downtown area or within the institution itself. And then they are in charge of all of it. Mm-hmm. I give them feedback, but they have to find out what their strengths are and divvy up the duties among each other. Very rarely do I have to like squash any fires. Usually they're great. Usually they take this on um, with gusto. Yeah, I think those are the main... Yeah, those are the main points. Yeah, that was that was so inspirational for me. I um, I recently just started a committee to relook at our capstone class to just make sure we're covering enough of this for undergrad undergraduates as well. Because I incorporate as many pieces as I can into my upper level photography classes, but it's so I think it's so ideal to be able to have a dedicated class for undergraduates as well as graduates where where you're looking at these things. I mean, yeah, because I think it, it does really, it doesn't feel responsible to be sending undergraduates out into the world without like, to make sure these conversations are happening. And to and and another thing that I love that you said is when you, you said that you asked them about their fears and, and I think also that kind of talking and getting to know the students as individuals, the students getting to know each other as individuals and acknowledging that those connections between amongst themselves and between us, like that is the basis of professionalism, right? Like that's also just at its core. That's how most things happen in the art world, right? Like, yes, we need to apply for things, but at the end of the day, so many of the things are just about building your network. And yeah, I also like, you know, just like early on in the semester being like, look around this room, like this is this is your community right here. Let's do this together. <laughs> Let's get to know each other. Act praise. Yeah. 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 And acknowledge that this is gonna look different for each of us. And then also to tell the students that like when something great happens to the person sitting next to you, that's great for you too. Because I think it's hard, like like we all have, you know, we have egos, we have insecurities, we want to succeed. And I think it's all too easy to go like, oh, that person's getting all, this person I know is getting all this stuff, like I'm such a failure. But the opposite can be true, right? If we just, and so, and also just like promote uh, an environment of sharing, right? So telling your friend like, hey, I found this open call that would be great for you. And then them doing the same for you. Um, that kind of sharing in community, I think is so 
important. I actually have my students create a communal opportunities list. So as they're learning how to research for opportunities, which we also talk about, like, avoid this one. But, you know, the ones that are like, oh, you can get a solo exhibition for $500. I talk to them about discerning. But as they're researching, they develop a communal list that we share. It used to be on some other platform um, where everybody could log in, and now it'll be on Google Forms where they can, uh, or Google Docs, so that they can develop this communal opportunity list, so they can see what's out there, and if they want to apply for that, great. Yeah. 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 So we, we, I have them do contact lists. I think I didn't mention that when I was like spouting off stuff at the beginning. And then I think another important thing to, thing to maybe touch on is self-promotion and how that, it feels kind of like a dirty word, right? Like, um, totally. <laughs> but if we're not doing it, it's it doesn't really work, right? But so talking to the group and, you know, about what, what we're comfortable with and what we're not. And everybody's capacity for that, I think, is a little different. But if you set up structures to like have a spreadsheet of your contact list to say, okay, I think I can do an update once a year, or I think I can do it twice a year, or I think I want to do it every time I have a solo show. And, but to give them the authority to say like, Hey, you need, need to be letting people know what you're doing. I know it might not be natural to a lot of us, but it's, it's important. Right. And so just talking about different, different methods for that and, you know, I think I, I keep saying the word structure, but I think that's been so helpful for me in my own life. And I've had a lot of luck with the students that way as well, to just put some like deadlines and structure for ourselves to make sure we're staying connected, we're, you know, building our network and we're putting ourselves out there. I think we can't ever underestimate how little other people think about our art, right? And so the more we can like, I have to force myself to do it. It does not come naturally to me at all. But, you know, to talk about it with the students and and put yeah. it out, it's like, hey, we need to be, and, you know, I think some people love social media, some people don't, but then just working within the realm of what they're comfortable with. So like, okay, you don't, you don't like Instagram, like, can you do an email blast? Can you make sure you're staying in touch with people that you want to stay connected to that, you know, will also might you know help your career along and help get your work out there yeah thinking about this idea of contact lists i do not require my bfa students to do it but when i do have the occasional mfa student who joins the class i do require the mfa students to do that but because contact lists are like one of my big faults I'm so bad at it. Like I've started the list. I've started an email, blast, like a newsletter. Yeah. Have I ever sent one out? No. Yeah, yeah no. Do, do what I say, but as I do. <laughs> yes, exactly. But so, and so that's how I, that's also how I kind of try to develop a community in which students know that it's okay to take risks and it's okay to not be perfect. And I share with them all of my mistakes yeah every little mistake that i know that i've made i share with them from things as simple as consistency of name so when i first developed my website i had daniellewykoff.com but since then i've learned that there are actually a couple of danielle wykoffs in the world Mm -hmm. and so now i've added danielle c wykoff well a few years ago i've added danielle c wykoff and i do that with everything that my work has yeah except my website 
And so I talked to my students about, you know, like that inconsistency of name and that's one of my mistakes. Right. Yeah. And, and thinking too about sharing with them, you know, you mentioned you have this great tax person come in. I do my own taxes, which I think is kind of insane. And I might start hiring. Indeed. <laughs> but I show them, I show them everything. I show them my spreadsheets. I show them how I um, keep categories. I show them how Schedule C looks and how they would start to develop that. And then I also, at the end, recommend them to talk to an accountant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love just like plugging in my laptop to the projector and just like show like this is my archive of things I applied to. Yes. I use a program called Evernote a lot. And so I show them that and how I clip things from the web and they go into my different Evernote folders and my oh, spreadsheets and all, all that stuff. And, you know, I like saying like, you don't have to do it exactly this way, but you have to come up with a method that works for you. And I'm going to put a deadline on that and make you show it to me. <laughs> you know, because I think, I think that's a gift, right? Sometimes it feels neat, but it's actually a gift for somebody else to say like, Hey, you know, this is going to be helpful for you. Here's a deadline. Send me a PDF or take a screenshot. Show me that you did it. How, whatever way works for you, but figure out what works for you and then make sure you do it. Yeah. So I don't know if you use any readings. Um, Danielle, this book, Art Slash Work is one that I've used. Yeah, yeah. Also, Jackie Battenfield. I don't have a copy of it right now, but that, that's this the guy. one. Yep. Those yeah, those are the those two. Yeah. 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 So yeah, and for listeners so it's art art slash work it's by Bandari and Melber are the two co-authors on that one and then Jackie Battenfield's the artist guide but yeah so I find those to be helpful and like you know some of I've had particularly MFA students when I show them this book and have them look at sections of it like some of them will kind of roll their eyes and be like this is all review for me well it might not be review for the person next to you and then you can use it for your MFA students um so it's a good just like because we, there's only so many class hours, right? And so I like that one as a, like, here is some of just the bare bones stuff and written out for you, like, with diagrams of some of these things that are often kept, like, very opaque, you know, contracts, bios. Oh, absolutely. Know, like, so, yeah, I, I, I find those to be helpful resources as well. Those are the two books that I also, like I mentioned, I consider them my Bibles for that class. But then also I, I look to other sources like Creative Capital has a lot of really great resources for artists. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I find things, they have, like I think, like a great little PDF on how to apply for funding. So whenever I find those things, I make PDFs for them and then put them up on, we were on whatever site we're using at our school that the students can access like blackboard yeah and, and and actually how i developed the structure of my beginning professional practices class is based on the way that battenfield has developed her book so that it starts out with you know what is the myth of an artist and then defining your goals and she has some really great exercises in there that i found that book really helpful right out of grad school and then every time I teach this class, when I return to it, I still find new things that either get me inspired or remind me, oh yeah, I should be doing that. Or I reassess what my goals are based on her exercises. Right. 
No, I thought she, I think uh, she has a section where she asks you to write your obituary. Yes. Interesting work, work back from like the very end, but it does, it puts you in that headspace. Okay, okay, so let's go all the way down the line. What do I really want to do? Like, what do I want to be? Like that, and then work back to like, okay, what are my five years goal, five year goals? What are my one year goal? What is my three month goal? What is my one month goal? Um, yeah, I have similar questionnaires that I've developed for my students as well. And it's really helpful. And I try to do them myself whenever I can. I don't always have time. I actually rely on good friends to help keep me accountable. And Astrid is one of them. (laughs) Uh, Astrid and I have, Astrid Kammerling and I will, we used to do it more regularly before I had my baby, but we would have phone calls uh, weekly at one point and monthly most often where we would just check in with each other. We had developed a list of goals for ourselves and that is this sort of practice that I encourage students to do in their class communities is develop a friendship with somebody where you can be very open with them about what do you want to achieve and then congratulate them when they do or pat them on the back when it doesn't work and keep moving. Yeah, I'm trying. I recently started to build it in for myself into an end of the year thing. So like around New Year, I have a questionnaire. I just pulled up one version of it and it's, so it starts with what did I accomplish over the past year, which is helpful mm. for me because I tend to be really hard on myself too, particularly when you have a baby and a million different jobs for your university. Yes. But, but to just let, to, so that I can go, oh, you know what? I did do some things. Um, but then a following question is what were my biggest disappointments, right? Because we all have those. And then what did I learn from that? And then how do I limit myself and how can I stop? <laughs> this is a question um, from a thing called Best Year Yet that my mother actually introduced me to. But it's a really interesting question. And, you know, it's it's a little on the cheesy side, but we all do that, right? How do I limit myself and how can I stop? Yes. And then the question that I'll ask the students, I ask them to write out their values because I think we all have different values in terms of like, do we want to be a commercial artist? Do we want to only work with nonprofits? Are we going to be more focused on grants or are we going to be more focused on trying to sell and make products to sell? So yeah. And then thinking about what roles we play in our life, right? So just even this, the simplest thing of just like listing out your roles of like, I'm a mother, I'm an administrator, I'm a daughter, I'm a teacher, I'm an artist, I'm an arts gallery member, all these things, and then which role you want to be the major focus for the coming year. And then go into, you know, five-year goals, one-year goal, three-year goals. And so, yeah, this questionnaire just kind of flows like that. And so I'm trying, trying to do that just once a year at the end of the year as just, you know, to like look back and then set some intentions and set some deadlines for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, when we're, when we're not in classes ourselves, no one's going to make us do that like I make my students do. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And that, that I think is definitely the theme for my life right now where I feel like I know I can share with my students, you know, this sort of checklist of the yeah. right things to do or the things, the best practices things to do. But I find that I am struggling as a new mom to maintain that. And one of the ways that I'm still doing stuff is I'm doing a lot of collaborations and that other person helps keep me accountable. That other person is helping me maintain those deadlines. We're helping each other, but because I'm working with somebody else, it means that I can't let it slide 
like I might want to because I really want to hang out with my baby. Yeah. <laughs> or need to because there's... Or need to. <laughs> or you don't have a choice. <laughs> yes, yes. Like tomorrow she's coming with me to the all-college meeting because we don't have childcare yet. Yeah. So... But, you know, I think that brings me back to just another, like, at the core of all of this is, like, we have to use our creative skills to make our lives work, right? So we just have to get really creative about, like, how do I juggle all these things? But learning how to, like, not have that feel painful, but be like, okay, we can, like, piece these things together. I can use my creativity to figure out how to juggle juggle this with that and, and still how to, like, make artwork in the midst of it. But it's, and it's all kind of new parameters, right? Like, so I can't get to my studio anymore because I have a baby. What can I do in the other room? Like, at right. all. That corner of the room. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or can I just slowly but surely chip away at this, even if it's just, like, 20 minutes here and 20 minutes there? Yeah, to just... It's the sustainability, like you began talking about with your MFA students. You asked them, you know, how do you make a sustainable creative life? And that is what we're trying to do, too. Yeah. I I think this is a really beautiful ending, actually. I think this is like the perfect narrative arc. We started with sustainability and elaborated a little bit about your teaching syllabis and the two Bibles and then you merged into your own professional careers to really highlight how this struggle to maintain balance and juggle all the different roles is something that is not just a fear of a graduate student but it's something ongoing and you almost need to remind yourself year after year after year which role you want to prioritize and how to uh, regain or maintain the balance. So with that said, I just want to thank you, Professor Annie Laurie Erickson and <laughs> Professor Danielle C. Wyckoff for participating in the CAA Conversations. And thank you listeners for taking the time to follow this conversation. <laughs>